Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. The purpose of this meeting is to help anyone who thinks they may have an eating problem. This is a workshop meeting, and we hope that by asking questions, you will better understand our program. And now is the time for the leader to qualify. Hi, I'm Roberta. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and I am so nervous. I am. My hands are cold, and I'm wearing this nice, warm sweater that one of my sponsees had made for me. And uh, and I'm looking at the screen, and I know you're all my friends and my family, and uh, I'm so happy to see my sponsees here and my sponsor here and all my friends from Kitchen Sink. Um, it was one of the first meetings that I went to when I came to L.A., and I was really people who have moved away. I'm thinking about somebody who's living in Florida right now who was so nice and and just welcomed me so much and someone who's living in Wisconsin now. I mean, no matter where we are, we're all at this meeting and it's just fantastic. So um yeah, I'm a garden variety compulsive overeater. I was born a compulsive overeater and I just wanna share share my screen for a minute. If I could, yeah, I want you to see, this is me when I was between six and seven with my cousin who was a year older than I was. So I was always a big girl, and that's the way I always saw myself, very um, cumbersome, uh, overweight, over everything. And on my 16th birthday, I weighed over 200 pounds and couldn't wait to get into that sheet cake. And right before I joined OA, I came up to 240 pounds, and that was in August of 1979. I went on a food plan, blue sheet, phew, 100 pounds came off, and a year later in June of 1980, there I was, hot to trot. Uh, unfortunately, through, I couldn't maintain that abstinence and I was in relapse for 21 years. Here I was in 1980, 1998, all blown up again. of 2002, I'm not seeing the pictures. Can you see them now? Yeah, there we go. Yes. uh, Here I was at six or seven, very, very big. This was my cousin who was a year younger, who I always admired. And here I was at my sweet 16, right before I joined program in August of 1979, pushing 240 pounds, over 240. Ten months later, following the blue sheet that you gave me, I was back to a wonderful body weight. And then started relapse, and here I was in 98. Okay, sorry about that. But you can see I I was born a compulsive overeater, and now how do I get back to the screen? Click it, stop, and it'll say stop. There you did it. I did it for you. 
Thank you. Okay. Um, huh. So when I got to Overeaters Anonymous, um, you gave me a blue sheet food plan. I'm good at following directions. I lost 100 pounds. The thing is, I didn't have any sort of spiritual base. I knew it was a three-legged stool, and I did work the steps, but the God personal to me eluded me. I had arguments with people. I came in agnostic. I was not willing to believe. So after 21 years of knowing that this program works and knowing that this was my happy place, I was finally willing to look at the spiritual path. And uh, so the past 18 years since 2002, that has been my journey, and it's been a wonderful one. I can't say enough how much the willingness to get a higher power cured me. You know, I say I'm recovered, and I know I'm not cured from compulsive eating, but I'm cured from that hopeless state of mind and body that says if I have one, I won't be able to stop. God has empowered me. That's what happens with step two. Step one, I went from I and trying to do it alone, and that's where the illness is, to we. We can do it together. With the help of my higher power, with the help of all of you who I see as God with skin on, we get to wellness, and that has been my path. So for the past 18 years, I have embraced a spiritual journey. Uh, it only gets deeper and deeper. It has enabled me to live through good times and bad and to make space for what is. You've taught me through the principles, first of all, the principle of unity, and I just want to say that it feels like, you know, I'm not a great tradition uh, bumper, and I go to a step meeting, and once a month we read the tradition, I go, oh, I'm always grumbling. But that tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. So OA has many factions, and in, when I was just new in OA in the early 80s, there was the Howe program, and there was the Westminster program, and now we have Vision for You, and we have um, Sober Eating, and we have very often, you know, those are paths that if we are united and let everybody be autonomous but under unity, then personal recovery can happen. There's a saying that my abstinence can kill you and your abstinence could kill me. So I stopped looking outside for the answers. I was always looking, what is your food plan? What is your God? And finally, I sought my own journey, and it took me to many places. My son had become an Orthodox uh, Jewish rabbi, and I wanted to follow that path. So I had someone come in and kosher my house, and I tried to observe Shabbos, and I bought kosher food. <laughs> that doesn't do it for me. That is not my path. And recently, um, you know, some of the verbiage of all the he and he and he, it never used to bother me, and now 
I'm, I'm bringing out the goddess in me, and sometimes my higher power is she. It's kind of a combination of a religious god and the god within, my intuition. I have learned to acknowledge that space within and to lean into it. I um, grew up with an abundance of food and the food marked every holiday and a, a pound of steak was a normal dinner. I had no idea about portion size. I was great at dieting. By age 13, I was 213 pounds. Every diet I went on, I got down to the goal, but it didn't last more than a day, a week, because I had no idea how to maintain it, and I thought I could go back to just eating everything I wanted once I got down to the healthy weight. So through um, getting this beautiful design for living that we get when we come in here, um, and these 12 steps, it gave me some idea of how to live my life. I didn't live my life by the Ten Commandments. And we were Jewish, but there was no God. It was more about the holidays and the identification um, with the group. So I was very grateful to get these 12 steps when I came in. And I am a good student, and I like to learn. In fact, I was doing this thing online where you can get your, your great character, the, the your five best character assets. And what came through is love was my first after a lot of work. Uh, gratitude, which I joined a gratitude group over two years ago, where at the end of each day, I email out my gratitudes. And I have to tell you, that was such a shift. Because I have that negative mindset. And to get to that positive, to find the gratitude in everything, really catapulted me along this path of recovery. The third was honesty. I came in so dishonest. I mean, when I was five years old, I lied to my mother. Who ate those cupcakes? Oh, it must have been my sister. I never copped to anything like that. And the lying went to cheating and stealing. And the fact that honesty came out high, I was really pretty proud of that. You know, that's the principle behind step one. I have to be honest about my food. I am lucky in that many years after discipline, not eating particular foods, I am now able to eat everything. I'm very grateful for it, but I have to be honest about my food. I can't eat everything in every circumstance. I have to be in a calm, emotional place. I have to really be honest about where I am. And my fourth asset came in spirituality, and that pleased me no end, because um, that, I think, is the path to recovery, spirituality. You know, stop looking for the differences. Stop comparing and despairing. Stop judging all these things that were just ingrained in me. We grew up talking about everybody else. I guess it gave us a certain... I had, there's a friend in program who used to talk about sitting on the stoops of his, of his home in Brooklyn, and they'd be pointing the finger of everyone who passed by, talking about everyone else, and I identified with that. We'd go to a party, and then we'd come home, and the family would start gossiping about everything in the party, and I thought this is just what families do. So <clears throat> trying to 
zip that and, you know, 10 step, that restraint of tongue and pen has been a wonderful, a wonderful, um, a wonderful, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but a pedestal. I, I love that restraint of tongue and pen, that Rotap. Um, because it has helped me. You don't need, you don't want to know my opinion on everything, and my opinion is my opinion. It's not the right answer always, often. So, um, yeah, so I've, you know, we were given one mouth for a reason and two ears, so I have to listen twice as much as I speak and say that set aside prayer. Ha, huh, often. Okay, let me take a break. Let me take a pause. That's a word that I had no idea of. That pause that it talks about on page 87 of the big book, we pause when agitated or when we're uncertain. I just thought you get into gear and you keep going. You know, it's a self-made woman. You just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you keep going and it doesn't matter I was with that tornado roaring through people's lives you know I'm a New Yorker and getting on the subway I could elbow my way onto any car no matter how crowded it was you know these were just kind of old beliefs and I love our new uh it's not so new anymore the 12-step green workbook the uh that gives a beautiful way to work the fourth step. And one of the sheets, besides the resentments and the fear and the sexual harms and the positive things, which I like to add, it's the old beliefs. When I look at all my old beliefs and how they no longer serve me, it's um, it's wonderful to be able to ask God to help me to let them go. I feel like I'm all over the place, but that's okay, because um, I know by osmosis I'll say some things, and if I leave anything out, I know you'll ask me some questions, and that's why I always love kitchen sink, because you get to ask questions of the leader, and um, that I appreciate that. I love this format, and since I came to L.A. in 2007, kitchen sink has had uh, three different homes. <laughs> It started at the log cabin, and then we moved to a, a temple uh, in Beverly Hills, and then now we we moved to a church in Beverly Hills, and now we're on Zoom, so four homes, and um, who knows where the where the uh, next home will be, but um, I am just so grateful to be a part of this meeting where many long-timers come, and I appreciate all the wisdom of the ages. Um, So I um, had retired from teaching. It was 2002. I was in program. I had done several fourth steps and fifth steps and worked on, you know, but the, the, I never gained back all 100 pounds. I'm very grateful because once you join OA, you know, you know, you know better. So as much as I went back into the food, I knew better. So that was a that was a blessing. But I was able to take off those last 50 pounds when my 
sponsor, I decided I really needed a spiritual sponsor. And this woman at meetings would say, I never drive above the speed limit. And I thought I was hearing things because the speed limit for me was where you start driving. And I, you know, and and it was a completely, it just changed. It got me out of that driver's seat. And one of the things that I shared is that um, now when I get into my car, which isn't very often anymore, but I always talk to God when I'm in my car. And uh, and my grandson had said that he, he says to God, good morning, God. And I thought, wow, I never got that personal with God. But in the rooms, my sponsors and you all taught me how to talk to God, that I can talk to God. And not only pray formal prayers, but ask God for help. And uh, there's a saying that, the you know, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. You know, and I feel the same way about God. He never says to me, you owe me. He'll give me whatever I am willing to take, whatever I am willing to hear, whatever I am willing to do. It starts with my willingness, and this is a spiritual program of action. And that means I need to say that I'm powerless over the food, and my life was unmanageable, and it was. On the outside, I looked like I had everything. I was married. I had a house in the suburbs, two cute little kids. But in 1979, I was dying within. And then in 2002, I was very unhappy. I had retired from teaching, and I thought my life would be great, but I was still agonizing over getting out of bed every day. It just wasn't good. So this sponsor helped me to create a higher power that I could believe in, a higher power that works for me. And it's still evolving. But my morning routine is so important to me. I start every day with prayer and meditation. And, um, you know, we all go through tragedies and losses in our lives. And last July, my wonderful, beautiful sister died. And she, although was not in program, just had a spiritual connection and And she was my North Star. And a week before she died, I went to a Region 2 convention where I heard a man speak about meditation. And it's just interesting how meditation has become such a strong pull for me. And I always meditated, but I would do five minutes, and I always felt I wasn't a good meditator and this man made me feel like a successful meditator. And I've gotten really into mindfulness and reflective meditation. And and it has given me um, more of a pillar, more of a support towards my higher power, that connection. And uh, And it's just enhanced my spiritual journey and I appreciate it so much so I start each day with prayer and meditation and then I try to get out and do my exercise I try to walk every day I live about um, a mile and a half from the mayor's house so I don't know one minute Roberta what's that one minute
Okay, thanks. So during the protest, as they mentioned, the mayor's house, and I started walking to the mayor's house every day. That's my routine. And that makes me feel good. And I remember when a sponsor had said to me, you know, it's good to move every day, to do exercise. So I, that takes care of my spiritual, my physical, my emotional recovery. I stay connected to all of you. I sponsor 10 women. I am sponsored. I love this program. I do as much service as I can. I, um, I'm just so grateful for program. I do live happy, joyous, and free. Uh, many years ago, Bill B. wrote a book, and he said he wants to live in the penthouse. We come in, we're in the gutter. We get the, the work, the design, and we're in the sidewalk. But I want to be in the penthouse. And the penthouse is living happy, joyous, and free. Each day, it's one day at a time, doing the best I can, knowing I'm not perfect, but knowing that all of us, it's a we program together, we can get and keep trudging this road to happy destiny. Thanks for letting me. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Okay, Nancy B. My name is Nancy Beecham. I am a compulsive overeater, and I've been in OA for 44 years, abstaining, maintaining 150-pound weight loss. Roberta, you may not think you're perfect. I think you're perfect. (laughs) Fantastic. And I have two questions for you, my love. The first one is this. Um, I believe you're very humble, but I have known you. I have known the girls you sponsor who are growing into being beautiful human beings. And I believe you do a lot of service. And I wondered if you could talk to us a little bit about the service. I know you've gone to higher levels and done all kinds of things. If you could share a little bit about what's available to us, because the promise, what we're promised, is that we will be of service and have a purpose. And my other question is that so many newcomers are listening to these tapes and are here this morning. Could you just share possibly one or two things that you may think are important to do to get a really strong program going so they don't have to go into years of relapse? Thank you so much, my sweetheart. Thank you for your questions, Nancy. First of all, yeah, service has been fabulous for me. When I was on Long Island, I became an intergroup rep, and I became the intergroup chair, and I did region work, and I went to world service, and I met people from California there. And then when I moved here, I knew I wanted to jump into the middle of the herd, so I joined the intergroup and was chair here as well, and it was wonderful years for me. So uh service has... First of all, you learn how to play in the sandbox because I'm kind of a toddler in emotionally developing and I didn't have a lot of experience. So when you're with a group and there are 10 of us on the board, you've got to learn to play well with others. And it helped me in my personal relationships and getting along with others. So I think service is wonderful and, um, 
you know, whenever I felt like eating, I always had like work to do. So I'd go to the computer and, 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 you know, it's, it's a nice positive hobby or thing that you can do to take you away from getting comfort from the food. And for newcomers, it's really important to get a sponsor. That's the person who will hold your hand. I've had my sponsor now since 2007. It's been 13 years. She is my mentor. She is wonderful. We travel to Israel together. Um, a sponsor is someone who has what you want and just just ask them how they're doing it. And uh, it's a wonderful experience. So, Jackie, you're next. Hi, Roberta. Thank you so much for your share this morning. Uh, in your talk, you uh, mentioned a green workbook, and I was hoping you could explain that a little bit further. Thank you. Yes, it's a 12-step um, workshop. It's meant to be a 15-week workshop. And you can do, I've done it three times with a group in my home, and I've done it with a sponsor one-on-one. It's a wonderful workbook. You can get it at OA.org. It was put together um, by a group of us at World Service, and um, it goes through all the steps. It uses the big book, the OA 12 and 12, and the AA 12 and 12. That's why I like it so much. I love the big book, but I love our literature even more, and I want to use our literature. So this, this uh, I think it's called 12-step. I'm not sure. It's green color. Myra, do you have it there? <laughs> Myra's going to get it, and we'll do show and tell. And uh, it's a great workbook, and like I say, there it is. See? Can you see Myra's 12-step workshop and study guide? That's the name of it. Okay. Thank you. Uh, next, Ellie. Hi, Ellie. You're muted. I apologize. I think I raised my hand in error, but I'm very grateful because my oh, question was the one. That was just, yes, the one that was. Ellie. L-E-G, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Roberta. I really appreciate your share and hearing about your journey into spiritualism. Just great. Um, would you mind sharing with us um, a few of those old beliefs that you were willing to let go of that have helped you in this journey? What a great question. I wish I could think of them. You know, you can never think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, for one, I guess it was the competition belief, you know, that I have to prove myself and show that I'm better than others or that I'm smarter than others. And that, that is... You know, even in getting along with my husband, you know, we have so many different beliefs. And if I just want to go and by my my views, um, you know, and say, oh, he's stupid, he doesn't understand, that doesn't make for a peaceful marriage or a peaceful relationship. So one of my, you know, beliefs is 
a lot of my beliefs are not right. And, um, you know, I, I don't have to be alone. Uh, I don't like the saying I'm just another bozo on the bus, but I'm certainly just another Hollywood square with all of you. And that suits me. I like that one better. Yeah. If I think of others, I'll, I'll come up. I'll, I'll let you know. Thank you, Ellie. Nancy D. Thank you so much, Roberta, for your lead. Um, can you speak a bit more about um, your journey from being dishonest to honest um, throughout the years in program? Sure. Um, it's it's been a long journey. I um, it's making amends was a big one. You know, I uh, I worked for the New York City Board of Ed, and one of my jobs was to order supplies and books, and and I helped myself to many materials, not just pens and paper. So when I retired, I wanted to send a check. You know, when I when I did my amends, that's why steps eight and nine are so good, because you look at your part in it and you want to clean up, you know, your part in it. And it was important for me to do that. And, you know, to this day, it's still not a clean amends because they never cashed the check. I had spoken to the principal and she said, oh, that might be difficult. I don't think we can do it. But I did send the check off. So I still think about that. Maybe it's time to, uh, you know, give some charity to uh, something educational. Um, but my honesty started with, well, okay, you know, like, I, if, if they didn't charge me for something on the bill, I would be able to speak up and say, oh, you didn't charge me for coffee. And it was amazing how good it made me feel. Um, you know, I have a big story about dishonesty when I was, you know, even at, when I first became abstinence, I had gone to the ATM machine. I had one of these wallets around my neck and, and, uh, I had gone to the market, and there was a rain check, and I wanted to buy as many bottles of salad dressing as I wanted, but it said limit three. So there was some gum. I put a pack of gum in my pocket, and I said, well, if they let me buy all ten of these, then I'll pay for the gum. I was always making deals with God. Um and she only let me buy three, so I never paid for the gum. And in the sh in the uh, parking lot, I see people, after I put the groceries in my car, I see people running and picking up $20 bills. The, the wallet around my neck had opened, and all the 20s had spilled out. And I just got the feeling that God can take more away from me. And those little things made me more and more willing to be honest. And, uh, you know, honest with my word. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm really reliable. Honest with my pocketbook and honest with my feelings. Barbara. I'm Barbara. I'm a compulsive eater. Um, could you talk a little bit about how you, the way you relate with other people, how has that changed in your years in the program? Okay. Um, I think through working with sponsees, it has given me to see that other people have so much value 
and knowledge and may see things completely differently than I do. It, it made me more patient and more understanding and accepting of other people's points of view. So I think that was um, a very big help. I think it's really important to sponsor, no matter